today we really want to strengthen marriages and set you up for a strong marriage in your future. All right? So we're going to pick a really difficult, tough topic. Super exciting topic. Submission. <laughs> I know you guys. I know you guys are so excited. How could I submit better? The, the, the all-powerful word, submission. So um, we'll, let's just put up Ephesians 5.21, and then Amber's going to take the lead this morning on love. We're going to talk a little bit about love first. Or did you have a different scripture you wanted to pull up? Um, I thought I was going to start with um, 22. We're changing it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we at did it service. different the first service. The first, first service, they're like a test run for us. We're like, no, that didn't work. Let's change that. Okay, so let's jump to 22. So, obviously, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then we'll read the next part. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Um, so there, there's more to that, but I wanted to give you my amber version of uh, my <laughs> condensed meaning for what this means in real life. Are you guys excited about that? Notice that I'm having her talk about that. All so my, he's going to give you all the Greek definitions for submission and everything. I'm going to give you my definition for marriage. She's going to give you the Americanized, the way it is hey, right hey, now. Hey, person. hey, this is good. It's going to be good. Okay. So what I feel like it is saying is um, the wives are called to respect and allow husbands to be responsible for them. I'll say it one more time. Wives are called to respect and allow husbands to be responsible for them. So they have to be, uh, they have to allow their, yeah. they have to allow. That's what we're shouting about. Allow their husbands to lead. And they have to respect. And so if you want respect, you got to like be respectable. And so as a husband, you want to try to be respectable. And um, that's all I'm going to say on that. I'm going to stop there. Okay. And then husbands are called to love their wife and use their responsibility to lay their lives down and prioritize her well-being over their own. I feel like that's a really good summary. (laughs) That summarizes the entire portion. But, um, yeah, so the wives are called to use that responsibility they're given to just prioritize the wife and and lift her up and encourage her, um, and it, it's mutual. So and David will talk on that. But submission is a mutual thing. You want to submit to each other, um, and he's going to really get into that definition. Okay, and so I also wanted to say that um, as much as it is, we need to understand what the word submission means and what it means to submit in every area of our lives, especially in in marriage. But I would say that if you um, focused on love as your main priority, if you wanted to love well, it's the the, the first commandment, it's the most important one. But if you were to make that your life's ambition to love well, then I think that would encompass everything that Ephesians 5.22 all the way down is telling you to do. Um, So because of that, I know that we all know love is patient, love is kind, and we all say it, but um, it's still important to uh, remember and meditate on because if we were to put that in action every day, it would solve a lot of the problems we're dealing with. 
Um, and so if you want to give love, you have to know how to receive love. So your heart needs to be healed, and you need to be able to know the Father's love before you can give the Father's love to anyone else. That's the first thing. But I, will, I just want to briefly touch on what perfect love looks like, what his love looks like for us, and what our love in response should look like for our husbands and for others. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the the partial will fade away. Um, I'm going to go back up. So love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous. When blessings come to someone else, it refuses to be jealous. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quickly or quick to take offense. Love joyful, joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best in others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. I don't know about you, but there's an anointing on that. I got a little, you know those little goosebumps when your hair sticks up? Got that when I read it. So that means it was a good thing. So um, when it talks about love being a shelter, I'm like a literal person. I see things in pictures. And so, and it also in, in the Passion Translation it even gives this definition is you can think of love as a roof over. It protects. It gives shelter. And it can endure hardship. Like the weather, if you think about it like that. I'm such a teacher to kids. I'm like, you see the weather? <laughs> but um, anyway, it's, it's a roof. It's protecting, and it's a safe place, and I love that. And so if, if we were focusing on being love and being a safe place and not exposing, that's another thing. There's no exposure because you're, under, you're protected and you're safe from the elements. And so if you have that as your overall encompassing thing in your marriage, I'm pretty sure you'd get the rest right. That's all I had to say on that. Awesome. So uh, in the context of love, why don't we, we just pull up 25 real quick. This says, husbands, love your wives, not rule, dominate, or exercise authority over them. The commandment to love is critical because Jesus would ultimately win us over by love. Everybody's here because of love. Everybody's here because we want love. People are staying here because they feel loved. If love isn't the foundation and you don't have complete surrender to his love and his lordship over your life, you're not going to understand any of this stuff. And that's the point Amber's trying to make is that we can give you lots of scripture. What we don't want to give you is principles that you go home and beat each other up with. Love, this type of love, which is the highest form of love, is agape love. And what agape love does is it's fully sacrificial without thinking about what I can get in return. It takes no consideration of your value when it gives. It takes no consideration of what you can do when it gives. It's completely laid down love just as 
Notice those two words. I have that highlighted in my Bible just as. And it's demonstrated. Because love is an action. And it's the action that brings the feeling. So if you've lost that love and feeling. Yes, I've heard that. That, that was mine. I told you I was going to say that. You're stealing all my stuff. <laughs> Well, this is what happens when no, you No, I wasn't going to say you lost that loving feeling. Believe me, I was not going to go there. I was just going to say that <laughs> a lot of people have told me over the, over the years, they've always said, well, I love him, but I'm not in love with him. We're working on that. And um, that, that's actually really common And um, where you just get to be where you're just coexisting and everything. We've talked about that. But I think what brings about the feelings, those fluttery feelings that you got even when you were dating, is the actions, the demonstration. And so it's not that you have to measure up and earn that, but it, man, I mean, he looks really good doing dishes and like doing things, doing, doing. Yeah, it's so attractive, yeah. Because Just saying. Doing is her love language. Yes, whereas words of affirmation is mine. And so... I, I don't do those things to measure up or to perform or to get points. I do them because I love and I pull equal weight in the house. I do different things than what a mother does, but I pull weight because we're building a home together. It's together. Together means together, all right? And so the challenge is, is that most people never saw together done right. Most people's parents didn't do together right. Or a lot of us were raised by a single parent. I was raised by my mom for the first five years, and then they lived together uh, with my stepdad for four years, and then I lived with my father for the rest of my high school years. So I never really saw a healthy family, ever. And so it's something I have to learn, and we're learning too. We've only been married six and a half years, and it's a discovery. And so we're trying to set the standard of what the Bible says and teach that to you, but live it out for ourselves. So the other day we loaded up. We got, we got some new bikes, and we got bikes because it's something that we like to do together. And we, our date night was we went and we parked by Cole Park, and we went and rode downtown and ate and rode back. And it was just we go on bike rides, and we do date nights. And a lot of times our date nights is just going to sit by the water and just being together. And we try to find time for breakfast. And we've talked with you guys about this. We've talked on a lot of topics previous to this today. But it's an action. And when we stop doing the actions, you lose the feelings. Now, the great thing is that the lordship of Christ fills that void. And so you have to come to the place where your husband or your wife is not the sole provider of your affection and your satisfaction, and your joy, and your love. Because if it is, or even if you're not married, you'll always want to be in the arms of another. So you'll sleep around. You always look for comfort. You can't be alone. You've you're got a lot of different things going on in your life. Or, you know, if she's, if she's not doing well or treating me the way that I think she should, I shouldn't go in the toilet. I should go to the Lord and find my strength and hope. And then I should do all I can to resolve why she's struggling like that. Okay, And so Christ gave himself for the church, and we are to love our wives the same way that he did. Then it goes on to say that um, he laid his life down so that he would sanctify, verse 26, and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, 
that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Yeah, and the word for radiance, we're all over the place this time. The word for glorious. Glorious. The, yeah, the word for glorious is radiance. Um, and so when you think about a woman who is radiant and full of life, it's because she's loved well. She knows the Father's love, she's able to receive it, and she's loved well by a man. And in every area of her life, she thrives because everyone thrives when they're loved. Think about kids that are nurtured and loved. They grow up to nurture and love. Kids that are hurt usually grow up to hurt others or do things that aren't really the best thing because they didn't know love. They didn't know nurturing. Um, and so it all goes back. I'm, I, swell, I feel like I'm just all about love, but I, I, I mean, that's a good thing. That's the greatest commandment. So, yeah, I really do feel like it goes back to love, but not just like an idea of love, but truly knowing and experiencing love. So the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. And so my job as a spiritual leader of the home is to, is to, in a sense, build and create the way Jesus is with the church, a glorious bride. And, and I'm learning how to do that. And it's not been easy, but it's something I have to learn. And I shared the story with you guys that I didn't know how to love Amber properly. But I had to humble myself and say, I don't know how, but I want to learn. And so this whole concept of Jesus creating a bride or a church that is purified, sanctified, washed by the water of the word, pure, holy, without spot or blemish is the understanding of this. I don't want Amber to have any shame I don't want Amber to have any sin in her life. And if she finds herself struggling with certain things or a lot of things the way that it can happen, you know, women can struggle with a lot of things, I'm to encourage her, support her, propel her. And it says, cleansed by the washing of the water of the word, right? Which is uh, verse 26. The word here is the word rhema, which is the spoken word. And what that means is that I'm speaking life. I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking health, not death. And when you're constantly speaking over your wife, comforting her, strengthening her, aligning her, and she doesn't always listen. Trust me, she, and I don't always listen to her. But that doesn't negate the, the standard and the principle, okay? And so Jesus, we're trying to bring into our homes what Jesus does for the church. And it goes both ways. Think of how much Jesus loves us. Look at what's happening here. His presence, his comfort, his life, everything that's happening, I want that to first happen in my home more than anything. And so the way that I love the people, I have to love my wife even better. And so my heart is to present her to the Lord and even to myself because there's a powerful scripture. Look at verse 28. Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. Let me, let me say it to you a different way. When you don't love your wife, you don't love yourself. When you don't love her right, you don't love yourself. And I don't have a right to take care of myself better than her, except in the context of making sure that spiritually I'm walking with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. That's an, a responsibility I always have. But I don't get the right to do anything else before her. In fact, 
anything that I want, I treat her the same way because ultimately we're one flesh and I'm taking care of myself. All right? Okay. So let's talk a little bit about submission. Let's pull up verse 21 again. We have to prefer one another. We have to be submitted to one another. When it says that Jesus gave himself, think about what it means to fully give yourself to something. So Jesus first gave himself, and the Bible says that he came not to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many, right? Something we've talked about a lot here, that Jesus ultimately is the best demonstration and example of what it means to be submitted and to serve. Okay, so Jesus was submitted to the Heavenly Father. He was submitted to his earthly parents. He was submitted to, to even the disciples, and the disciples were submitted to him. Jesus was submitted to the authorities of the day. He never broke the law. I'm not talking about religious Pharisees and Sadducees. He never actually broke the law. Okay, so he was honorable and integrous in every area of his life. Jesus was the best picture of what submission really looks like. But then we're commanded to submit to one another. And everything before this was all about how we worship when we come together, that we each bring something, we lay our lives down for one another, and I'm submitted to you. And so uh, I've got Luis and I've got Juan. I had two different guys up here last service. These guys and everybody in the sound booth and the worship team and the, the volunteers in the children's ministry are all submitted to our leadership. But guess what? I don't lord it. I'm not authoritative in a dysfunctional way. I don't rule over them. I don't force them. And in fact, I rarely ever talk about serving in the church here. You know why? Because we deal so much with sonship and identity that when you find your identity in Christ, you freely want to serve. Yeah, when we love well, people want to serve. You love they well, want to help want to. because they're being loved so well. That's exactly right. And so people are submitted to us, but Juan has got two little girls, single father. This guy's paying an incredible price, and I never once had to twist his arm or pressure him to do it. Luis, he's got a beautiful family and two little girls. He's chosen in the midst of his busy world to come and be here and volunteer because he submitted and he wants to. So the first thing I want to teach you about submission is it's a choice. If you don't catch the fact that submission is something we have to choose to do because we want to, I can't force Amber to submit to me. In fact, if I try to force her to do anything, we're going to have a bad situation in our home. Right? So submission is not meant to be dominating. It's not meant to be authoritative in a, in a ruling over control. It does not mean control. Now, if you grew up in a home where, the, where your father was controlling over the mother, you have an unhealthy, oppressive submission. Or even vice, vice versa, if you had a passive father where the mother ran the show in the home, then you're still going to have a skewed view of submission. But the Bible gives us the healthy picture. We're submitted to one another. I'm here to serve you. Really. We built all this not to just grow a big church and to make more money. This is built 
to build family and community and show Corpus Christi what normal should look like. Get past what the other churches are doing. I'm talking about fatherlessness, broken homes, child abandonment, abuse, human trafficking, drug addiction, injustices, widows without a family. I'm talking about creating a place where people can walk in and find family. Don't y'all want that? So do we. We show our love by our dedication in every area of our life. So um, in marriage and everything, we want to show our dedication, and that's how we show our love, because it's an action. That's right. So I'll give you a quick definition of submission. Submission was actually a Greek military word, and what it was used for was in the organization and structure of of divisional troops underneath leaders. Now, Jesus has governmental structure in the church. He put apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, evangelists. He put governmental structure in place. You've got to have somebody to lead the children's ministry. We have to have directors and deacons and elders. He put those people in place. But this is never going to work if people don't choose to be submitted, right? But the Bible commands in a church militant context how things are to be organized because he is the Jesus, the commander, Jesus, the general. We have to know Jesus also as the general, okay? And so there is this organizational structure. The military would never work if people didn't sign up and volunteer, right? The military would never work if there wasn't organizational structure. It's the same with the church. The problem is, is when pastors and church leaders and ministry leaders are in it for the wrong reason. The problem is when it becomes about titles, money, and positions, and then me lording over you in an authoritative way. And some of us have come from that type of church and that type of background. And some of us are afraid that this is gonna, that's going to happen here. I don't know what to tell you except I don't believe it is. I don't want it to be that way. And we're in no way out to lord over you. We're out to empower you. You need to be empowered. You need to be empowered. And so to be empowered means that you make the choice to be empowered. Because outside of the military, the word submission in marriage, in life, in this scripture, is the understanding that I'm volunteering, I'm cooperating, I'm assuming responsibility, and I'm going to carry the burden together with each other. That's what submission means. It means to be set under and to order, to put an order and to arrange. And so if she's to be submitted to me, then what she's actually doing in her submission to my spiritual leadership, and we'll talk about what that looks like, is that she actually brings order and structure to our home, to my life. I couldn't do anything that I do if it wasn't for her in my life. I need her desperately, and you need a spouse in your life. Now, if you're single, you wait for the right time, but God designed this for a purpose. And if you're older and if you're divorced, we've said this, or widowed, Jesus wants to be that for you. He wants to be your husband, your bridegroom for you, okay? So submission will never work without a choice. Submission will never work without the understanding that Jesus is the head. And then he puts the man into spiritual leadership over the home. So let me give you a practical example with Amber and I. Amber is a type A personality. She's very organized. She's very structured. She's a li- she makes lists. 
She has to have a plan. And I'm like free-flowing, visionary, go with the flow, impulsive. This is why speaking together has been quite a challenge for me. Because there's not enough forward planning. Anyway, it's a learning experience. Okay, so Amber and I, one thing we haven't talked about at all, which I'll briefly say now, is one of the number one leading causes of divorce, it's actually probably number two. I think the first is infidelity, but num number two is money, okay? And so what we teach all of our married couples when we do counseling or when I do premarital is that all your money goes together and there's complete transparency and you have a budget that you come to agreement on, okay? And so in our marriage, Amber doesn't really want to do the budgeting and doesn't really care about. You would think I would because I'm kind of type A, but I don't This is one care. area that's, but I, I do. no interest. It's like, tell me when I can't spend money, I won't. Yeah, tell all she wants to know is can I, I or can't I? Am I cut off yet or not? I don't know. <laughs> I will also tell you in whether it's the man or the woman, I have found in most marriages, it's one or the other. That's usually really, really good at managing the money, opening the mail, checking the bills. Yeah, I don't check the mail. See, some things I'm not that. that type A. I think you're exaggerating. I'm just like, there's the mail, it's a stack. In some things, in some things. And so in our marriage, we, uh, she has access to all the finances, passcodes on her phone. She has the budget. I put it together. We agreed upon it together. And then once we agreed, she knows how much that she can spend for kids' clothes, food, et cetera, so that we don't get into the hole. But she doesn't watch it like I do. And so what I do is I say to her, okay, listen, you've hit the budget here in this area or you've spent enough. So I say to her, no more Etsy for the next 30 days. It's not just Etsy, but I No do more like Pinterest for the next, no more Amazon Prime. Amazon. And, and listen, yeah. you know the great thing about Amazon? Well, on Amazon. I guess it's good when you're home a lot is you get to see all the packages coming in the mail. I'm like, okay, wait a minute here. I try to get the packages before you get home, but sometimes I'm like, why? Guys, see? Right when he Don't comes, do this. Right when he comes home, he's like, oh, my. You're, you're out of control. There's so many packages. I'm like, it looks bigger. They put it in a big box. It's a small thing. They, I... so, so we work together as a team, and we communicate, and I said to her, listen, Right now, I need you to hold off on spending any money for the next 30 days or whatever because we've hit the budget, and she says, no problem. We work together face-to-face -face in everything that we do. We've talked about this. You don't make a decision together without your spouse. Now, there's some things that are a given. Like, I don't ever, Amber doesn't ever think twice about whether I tithe or not because we're tithers. And so I give, and she could care less really what it is as long as I'm doing what the Lord says because she trusts me in that area right? But I don't have the freedom to go buy a camper, an RV, a motorcycle, uh, this or that. And she doesn't have the freedom to go buy large things either without us being in agreement together. So I don't just run the show and show up at home with some big giant purchase that throws the whole budget off. And so I've also learned that if I make decisions without her, I can really regret it later. <laughs> You make it and sound like I'm so bad. No, 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 I'm not. You just regret it. You mean that you regret it because... Because I want us to be on the same page. If you're not unified, it's not any fun, right? And so 
It's not about me having stuff and her having stuff. We're working together as a team and as a family in the decisions and the purchases and the money that we spend together, all right? And so we're face-to-face. Another thing when it comes to being mutually submitted to each other is that we never override each other. I love what Doug and Don Fick said when they spoke on a Wednesday night here not long ago. They had this phrase, and I, we've been using it, by the way, where they would throw out the word, it's a God thing. And once one of them threw out the, the statement, it's a God thing, it settled it. But there was accountability that you better have gotten before the Lord, and you better know you heard the voice of the Lord, right? And so once it was a God thing, we tried to always come into agreement, now, I never override Amber, and she never overrides me unless it's one of four things. Illegal, immoral, unethical, or especially unbiblical, okay? So if she's acting out in a way that's not biblical or doing anything that's not healthy, I'm going to call her out, and I'm going to override her because I'm setting truth and setting the standard, and I expect her to do it for me. But it has to be done in love. Look, we deal with a lot of couples where one, the, one of the spouses is struggling with pornography, and it comes to light. If there's not grace and love and mercy and forgiveness, you're going to bite and devour and tear each other down. And I'm telling you, what, we, what was ingrained into so many of us when we were a child from our parents or the way we lived promiscuous lifestyles before we got married, it's the Holy Spirit that works on our soul realm over time. So in this house, we have grace and mercy and compassion for you. So we want you to feel free and safe to share your stuff so that you can get healed. Shouldn't that be more in the home? That's where it goes back to love being a safe place. So this is a safe place because it's full of love and your marriage should be the same. That's exactly right. And so think about being parents. As a father and a mother, we have to teach our children what healthy submission looks like. Not dominating and ruling over them. We teach them about choices. We teach them about consequences, good and bad. We give them choices for the most part. I mean, there's some things that you don't get a choice in. But we try to teach them about making good decisions and good choices. And when they don't, we teach them that there's consequences. And we teach them what honor looks like. I think that's the main thing is how we honor each other in front of them. So if we're not saying nice things or if we're not holding our tongue till we're alone, it's going to be something they see modeled as the norm that they bring into their future marriages. Um, and then I think something I didn't say about on respecting how wives are supposed to respect and honor uh, their husbands, I think that goes hand in hand with trust. And so you want to build trust in your relationship so that you want to honor. I think trust is a big thing um, Unless, to have. If trust has been broken, it can be rebuilt. Right. Okay, so if you've made mistakes, there needs to be mercy and grace and forgiveness. And let me tell you why, because Jesus had it for you. And if there's anybody here that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. So the point is, is that trust can be rebuilt, and Jesus gave it all for even an untrusting bride. Because no one loved, when he went to the cross, his disciples denied, most of them denied him, except for one. Okay, or walked away. And so the point I'm trying to make is, Love the way Jesus loves you, and it will resolve all of the issues. You can do it. And if you don't know how much you're loved, find it out. Read your Bible. 
Get around people that will love you really well and have a lot of mercy and grace and compassion for you, okay? And so the Bible continues to talk about how submitting to authorities and how young people are to submit to elders, but it makes this powerful statement in 1 Peter 5, and I won't read it to you because of time, but I'll break it down for you. Proper submission is a choice that we all have to make, and the only way it can be done right is with humility, love, service, and not with compulsion. I can't compulse any of you or make any of you do something you don't want to do. But if I love you really well and you find healing and hope and comfort and strength, guess what you want to do? Never miss a church service. Like, that's another thing. I will never pressure you to go to church, ever. Because if you don't want to be here, if it's not a choice that you're making, then you'll often come not receiving and not in the right position. I want you to come because you want to come. I want you to come because you see the need for family and to grow and to learn and to worship together. I want you to come because it's exciting. I want you to come because you can have an encounter. Too many people have come to expect less and less and less from church. We come expecting I'm not going to receive anything, but it's the right thing to do. Who wants to do church like that? Right? And I don't have it all figured out, but I'm, I'm trying to create we're trying to create a place where you can have encounters and experiences with the Lord, okay? So let's go back to Ephesians 5.22. Are you guys doing okay? All right. So Amber was talking about, Amber read this scripture, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. If there's no submission to the Lord, you'll never submit to your husband. Remember that. If a woman is unbridled by the Lord and doesn't have a passionate, intimate, loving relationship with Jesus, it's going to be very hard to love your husband because we can be hard to love. I'm glad you didn't say anything there. <laughs> Felt like that was enough. Okay. So, so if, you, if a woman's unbridled or dominant or controlling or wears the pants and there's not this face-to-face thing, now some of you might be asking, but what about if you, if you have an unbelieving spouse or a spouse that's like flipped out or spun out? That's a topic for another day. Because, because seriously, it's such a big topic that to do it justice, I need to read the scriptures to you. Because the Bible talks about how we're, to, how we're to honor an unbelieving spouse, but we're not to live in fear and terror. Say so you word. never, go ahead. Yeah, just the one thing we can say is that this you is never tolerate abuse. You never, abuse is never okay. It's never okay. You're never a doormat because you need to be submissive. That's not what the Lord would ever want for That's you. right. And there's even a time for separation. I've advised couples here to separate at times. And, it, and the Bible says when Satan's just kicking your hiney and you guys are at each other's throat, the Bible says that, that a time for separation is okay for the purpose of prayer and fasting. Right. And I would just say real quick on that, because we're not going to go into all of it, but if you're in a relationship where it's a continuous cycle of abuse and attacking and you aren't doing anything else to change it, Please, yeah, separate. But Get don't, help, though, but, but don't do it the right on. way. Just don't separate and then miss each other and say, well, we're used to each other. Let's get back. No, that's never. It's just Worse. a vicious cycle. So you have to change something. You have to take the steps, get counsel, stay in community, do not be isolated, get help, and have a game plan going back. Don't just come back and have expect things to be different because they'll just repeat. So we have a game plan here. Yeah. 
So we have a game plan here. What we're lacking at Rock City Church is a lot of mamas and papas that can counsel hurting marriage and married couples. So I'm doing a lot of it. I meet with couples as much as I can. If your marriage is on the rocks and you need help, get with Marlene and I'll do, we'll do our very best. But you know what? God's brought us marriage and family counselors. God's raising up strong couples. And we're teaching this series because I want a church full of strong, mari- strong marriages and mothers and fathers. And I'm asking you guys, please, this is the biggest gap in the church as a whole. This is the biggest gap at Rock City, in my opinion. I I'm just can't do it all. And I'm asking you guys, help us. And if you're saying, I don't know how to help us, Get with Marlene, get with the leader, get with me and say, listen, we want to help. We want to get into the fight and help. Open up your home for a, for a house fire small group. Do a marriage group. Come to Regeneration and get a part of the marriage group. Or tell Jeremy and Lauren, we'd like to be leaders for, for a Regeneration marriage group. Because marriages are booming everywhere here. Babies and, you know, we got so many couples dating right now. It's crazy. And as our church grows, it's going to happen more and more and more. So I'm, I need, I've been, the third Wednesday of every month, I've been having all kinds of married couples come up and share their story that have been married 30, 40 years so that you can find hope, okay? That's what we're trying to do here. So let's talk a little bit about the head. Amber's got some good things on that. The husband, verse 23, is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. Right, I just think of it in a physical body context, if your body is, if the Christ is really the body um, and he's the one you're focused on and, and is leading you, if you're allowing the head to lead, um, the rest of your body is going to function well and do the part it's supposed to do. And so if your husband is leading right and leading well and being led by Christ as the head, you and your family are going to thrive. And so that's how important it is. The head is the most important part of your body. It's where the knowledge, the wisdom comes from to know what to do next. And the head, the understanding of the head is that I'm the spiritual leader of our home. But I lead together with my wife. And more often than not, she's hearing from the Lord before I am. And so I'm preferring together. Uh, Here's a good spiritual leader example. What do you believe the Lord is saying about this? That's me deferring to my wife because she hears from the Lord as equally as I do. Okay, so in submission, it doesn't mean that we're not equal. We're equally yoked together. But as the headship, God holds me directly accountable in the direction I take this family. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm not responsible for? I'm not responsible for Amber to hear the voice of the Lord for herself and to read her Bible. I can't make her do it. I can encourage her. But ultimately, she's responsible for her heart before the Lord. But I'm responsible to encourage, protect, guide, and propel her into what God has for her. Does that make sense? All right. So in saying all of this, I don't want anybody to feel shame here. I don't want anybody to feel like, wow, we're bombing it. We're blowing it. Our home's not at all like that. I'm not out to put any guilt on you. We have bombed it so many times. And we're even teaching this to learn it even better for ourselves. Don't feel shame. Don't feel like, man, we're such failures. I'm not wanting that. I'm wanting you to be encouraged and comfort and strength. And I'm setting the standard of where the word is so we can all rise up to that place, okay? So we talked a little bit about 
the fact that when I, when I don't love her, I don't love myself. And so in order for me to be a good head and in order for my family to go where God wants it to go, men, we need men. We need strong men in our homes that are dynamic leaders that love Jesus and serve their wives and their children the way Jesus did. We need that desperately. And so we hammer the Holy Spirit here. If, you don't, if you're not born again and bridled by the Holy Spirit, this is never gonna work. If you don't have real love, forget it. And you know what? If you don't, just say, I want it. Come up today when we pray, offer to pray for you today. Get desperate. Just say this, take me as I am and tell your wife, listen, I don't really know how, but I want to and I need your help. Wives, say to your husband, listen, I know that I haven't been able to trust and love well for whatever reason, but I want to and I need help. You're not enemies. You may be living as enemies, but that's the devil's plan to divide you because the devil hates marriage and he wants you divorced. And so when we're at odds ends and not getting along and silent treatment comes in or pouting or self, you know, victim mentality or self-defensiveness comes in, I've learned pretty quickly to know that the enemy's trying to creep in. And I don't even give the devil all the glory. I just humble myself and apologize and repent or say, what do we need to do? What do I need to clear out of my schedule to get time for us to talk it through? That's right, get help, get help, and help us to help others because the need for broken marriages is like, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. I can't get to people fast enough. And so get healthy, get strong. And I'll leave you guys with this. The one thing, go back to verse 21. You know the one thing, well, there's not one thing. There's several things that will keep us from submitting to one another or being submitted to each other in our homes. They are things like what Amber just said, unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, gossip, slander, self-preservation, strife, divisions. And when we resist being submitted, we're actually resisting the Lord. But what happens is, and we're gonna pray for you here in just a minute. When you get born again, you get born again in your spirit. When God speaks to you, he speaks to you in your spirit. But it's your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's your soul realm. And if in your soul realm you have bitterness, anger, hurts, abuse, shame, things from your childhood, things from your past, whatever it is, if you have those things in your soul realm, guess what it does? It affects the way you hear the voice of the Lord. So when I say to you, Jesus loves you so much and that God's a good father, if I say that to you like I just said, and you've got shame, pain, hurt, bitterness, and unforgiveness going on in your soul realm, it's hard for that word that I just gave you to compute and to get into your heart. And the best way to deal with it is say, Lord, take me as I am. I don't want it anymore. And to be able to come to a leader, look, I have tried to meet with some of you and you don't want to meet because you think I'm going to beat you up or, or tear you down or the pastor, if I knew about your junk and your stuff and your home life, that you're just going to, I'm just going to beat you down even more because that's either what other pastors did or that's what happened in your childhood. Why would I ever do that? God has forgiven me so many times for so many failures and mistakes. I, we got to get into a place where we're in relationship because God measures us based on relationships 
Or another way to say it is relationships measure us. You can't do it without somebody in your life. And the Holy Spirit works on your soul realm, and then you get people that lovingly help you to get healthy in your soul. Don't you want that? Let's all stand and we'll pray for that.